You're listening to The Itch, a podcast exploring all things allergy, asthma, and immunology. I'm your co-host, Courtney, a real-life allergy, asthma, and eczema girl. And I'm your second host, Dr. Payal Gupta, a board-certified allergy, asthma, and immunology doctor. Courtney and I hope to balance each other out so that we get you all the information that you want and need about allergies, asthma, and immunology. We have another doctor interview for you today. Dr. Luke joins us to talk about eye allergy, also known as ocular allergy. She's going to help us understand, firstly, the difference between an ophthalmologist and an optometrist, because I honestly didn't know the difference, and maybe you don't, so now you will. We also talk about the different types of ocular allergies. We talk about treatment options. We talk about what you can do to avoid your triggers. The danger of rubbing your eyes, because if you can believe it, rubbing your eyes is not very good. And I bet you after this episode, you will be rubbing your eyes 50% less than you did before this episode. And everything you need to know about eye drops. Maybe you will reconsider them after this episode. Let's see. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Luke. We are super excited to have you today because we are talking about eyes. Eyes are a body part that I personally get really squeamish about, and I feel like by the end of this podcast, I will be a little less squeamish, I hope. You're probably all wondering, well, why the heck are we going to be talking to an eye doctor today? Well, if you are someone who suffers from pollen allergies or cat allergies or whatnot, you might know that your eyes get impacted. So we're going to dive into that a little bit more. But before we start, I'd love to know, what's the difference between an ophthalmologist and an optometrist? Because I hear those two words and I don't know if they're interchangeable. That's a great question. An optometrist is like your family doctor for your eyes. So we can diagnose, treat, and manage certain eye conditions. We also do refraction, so we take care of your glasses and contacts. However, once the disease process gets out of our scope, we can refer to an ophthalmologist who is a medical doctor and has an MD title that can then do things like surgery or do things that are out of our scope of practice to help treat a certain disease. Yeah, I agree. Even in the U.S., that's a great analogy. So, you know, an optometrist is usually the one that's prescribing the contact lenses, checking your vision, checking you for glaucoma or risk of glaucoma, cataracts. And then if it looks like you have any of those conditions, then they can refer out. So I absolutely agree that that's a great starting point for most patients. So with that, what the heck is allergies with the eyes? So ocular allergies, the most common presentation I see in clinic is allergic conjunctivitis. This is where the white portion of the eye gets irritated, usually from little things called papillae. These are little bumps that line or the conjunctiva is the lining of the top and bottom eyelid as well as your actual eyeball. And when you get these papillae, what happens is that they are bumps that irritate you every time you blink. And so every time you blink, these bumps go over the front surface of the eye called the cornea which then leads to a lot of irritation, itching, watering, redness of the eye, and patients can come in with symptoms that are uncomfortable. What triggers allergies of the eye? So how do we end up getting these little bumps on our eyes? 
Yeah. So, you know, there are seasonal triggers and then there's perennial triggers. So seasonal means things that come and go like the pollen. So tree pollen in the spring, grass pollen in the summer and weed pollen in the fall. And then a perennial allergen is something like dust mites, cockroaches, mold, things like that can be more year round allergen and pets if you live with a pet. So there's seasonal allergic conjunctivitis and then perennial. Great. So say someone is feeling really itchy with their eyes and they come to see you, Dr. Luke, how do you diagnose someone with an ocular allergy? Usually the telltale sign is, or they'll come in with very irritated, red, watery, itchy eyes. Not every patient that comes in with itchy or watery eyes does have an allergic conjunctivitis. There are other disease mechanisms that can cause or mimic this. Number one is dry eye disease, actually. In terms of diagnosis, depending on where, or the first one that's the easiest is the papillae. So these guys are the bumps that we find on their upper lid when we flip their eyelids or when we take a look under the microscope at their lower eyelids. There can be other telltale signs depending on the type of allergic conjunctivitis. If they have something specific called Horner Tranta dots, which are little dots that line corners of their corneas. But it really does depend on the type of allergy. But the most common thing I'd say is the papillae. And then to diagnose uh, an actual allergy, that's when the allergist kind of comes into play. And we would do the skin prick testing or the IgE blood test to say, yes, this person actually does have an allergy and this is what's triggering their allergic conjunctivitis. Another common thing is that for allergies, they're bilateral, which means they affect both eyes usually. It's very atypical for a patient to come in with just one eye that has allergic conjunctivitis, just because whatever is affecting that one eye will, will or should affect the other eye. How do you treat ocular allergies? This is a very good question and depends on how the patient's symptoms present. So from a standpoint of a first line of treatment, I usually recommend something a bit more conservative. That's your artificial tear or your eye drop that you can purchase over the counter or at an optometry clinic. The type I recommend are preservative free. So a lot of eye drops will have preservatives in there that can actually irritate the patient's eyes further. But if you go preservative free, it's a bit more natural. So I recommend patients put them in the fridge as well. With cold eye drops, the reason why we recommend that for patients is because it actually helps vasoconstrict or constrict the blood vessels that bring in all the histamines and all the not so fun stuff that cause your allergy symptoms. So by using a cold drop, it's decreasing that amount entering the eye. So very important. If artificial tears don't work, you can also try cool compresses that can also do the same thing. If that doesn't work, the next line of therapy I recommend is an allergic eye drop. So they are prescription drops that are usually antihistamines or mast cell stabilizers. What that then does is it helps to treat the root cause of the disease process. And if that doesn't do it, the next step up is steroids. However, steroid eye drops basically calm the symptoms, but they have their own risks and side effects, which include cataracts and glaucoma. So it's not a long-term fix for patients, more so giving them a bit more immediate relief. Ultimately, the root cause of their allergies should be investigated, which is why we want to loop in an allergist. One other thing that I talk about is also doing saline rinse for the eye when people are having these kind of symptoms. My analogy is similar to brushing your teeth. You know, you're brushing your teeth because you're trying to get rid of all of the sugars that are coating your teeth and can lead to cavities. And in a similar 
way, the longer the pollen or any of the allergens sits on your eye, sits on the surface of your lids in your conjunctiva, the more those inflammatory mediators are coming into your eyes and causing the inflammation. And that's essentially what you're doing with the artificial tears too. But I use that as a, a way of just rinsing out what's causing the allergic reaction. I really like that. Another thing as well is wearing sunglasses. So for more than one benefit, wearing sunglasses acts as a barrier so it can block the allergen out from entering the eye to some degree. Another little tip I give to patients. Yeah. And I think people ask about goggles too, like can goggles help? And yeah, absolutely. We're just trying to prevent the allergen from entering the surface of the eye and causing the irritation. Dr. Luke or Dr. G, I'm really intrigued by the saline rinse because I know that I use a neti pot for my nose and I use that every day during high pollen season. Could I do that the same with my eyes? Is there a, a threshold where you can only saline rinse your eyes like once a day or can you just go at it as much as you want? I don't believe that there is a max amount you can saline rinse an eye, but... Dr. G, if you have a different opinion. Absolutely. You can use artificial tears or saline rinses as much as you want for your eyes because it's literally just a calming effect, a rinsing effect. And as you know, as long as you're using like the preservative free kind, a formulation that isn't obviously irritating your eye, then you can't overdo it at all. Yes. One thing I just want to comment really quickly is with drops that are not preservative free, what we caution patients with is no more than four times a day. Reason being that the preservative can then start irritating the ocular surface and we don't like that. So it can cause more irritating symptoms rather than helping. And then can you also answer a question? So I recommend the saline solution that patients use to rinse off their contact lenses as like a good alternative to you know, anything else that's expensive, like if they can find like a good saline rinse, contact rinse, that they can just use that. Would you agree that that's okay? Or is there anything detrimental to recommending that? That's a very good question. Depending on the actual contact solution, though, some of them do contain preservatives or cleansing solutions. So if it's available to the patient, if they can find something that actually says saline on it, it would be a little bit better. Saline generally isn't super expensive either. It's just availability. So not every pharmacy will have it, but at the same time, if they can find it, I prefer that over a contact lens solution. But between that and an eye drop like Visine or Clear Eyes, the, the contact solution is still better. And then can we just quickly talk about Visine and the detriments of Visine? Yes. So we talked about earlier how we want to decrease the amount of, let's say, the histamines that are getting on the ocular surface. Visine is not a good option, in my opinion, for any reason. Reason is because it contains a vasoconstrictor that actually decreases blood flow to your the arteries entering your eyeball. So when you're using Visine or Clear Eyes for the purpose of getting the redness out, quote unquote, what's happening is you're actually decreasing blood flow to the ocular surface. What then also happens is it causes rebound vasodilation, which means when you stop using this eye drop, it actually makes your eyes more red and causes more of this blood flow to enter your eye. And overall, it's just not a good drop. So I do not recommend any vasoconstricting eye drops like Visine or Clear Eyes or anything that gets the redness out. Can you just give us a few tips of what someone could look for if they're buying over-the-counter 
preservative-free artificial tears? Number one for sure is that the box actually says preservative-free on it. The amount of times I see patients come in thinking they're using preservative-free eye drops is alarming. Uh, second tip is generally the over-the-counter preservative-free eye drops will be coming in vials. So instead of a bottle, they're clear little packets or vials. They should be discarded technically after 24 hours of not being used or after it's been opened, just because because it's preservative-free, there's nothing keeping the bacteria out. So it can cause infections. And when patients are using these vials or bottles, just be really mindful not to touch their physical eyeball with it, with any eye drop, but more so with preservative-free drops, just because you can then cause bacteria to get on the bottle tip applicator, and then you're possibly causing an infection. I know that you also mentioned antihistamine eye drops, but what about antihistamine pills? Is that something that someone can take? 100%, and I forgot to touch on that one. So one, another treatment method for patients with allergic conjunctivitis is obviously treating through an oral antihistamine. These guys can help calm other symptoms down too. So we know that allergies are not just your eyes, but if patients come in with the chief complaint of their eyes being the major cause of their allergies, that's when I'd recommend more of an eye drop versus if they have their allergy symptoms that are everything, like their nose and their skin and everything else, that's when the oral antihistamine is a little bit more beneficial. Right. So I have like all of the seasonal allergies and all I want to do is rub my eyes like crazy. I know that that's not ideal. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you shouldn't rub your eyes to strongly discourage me from always touching my face, please? Yes, this is a conversation I have with every patient with seasonal allergies. The reason we don't want patients to rub their eyes, there's two main reasons, but the first one is that it can destabilize your cornea. So your cornea is the very front surface of your eye. And what happens is it's very malleable, especially when you're a kid. So when you're rubbing your eyes, what you're then causing is a lot of mechanical trauma. They actually took an MRI, I believe, of an eyeball when it's getting rubbed. And what happens is that the whole shape of the cornea is getting distorted. And over long-term distortions or chronic eye rubbing, it can actually cause the cornea to change shape. And one disease process this can cause is something called keratoconus, which is basically where the cornea, instead of having its nice dome and symmetrical shape, has this cone-like protrusion on it. And because of that, it can cause light entering the eye to get scattered. And so this can cause vision issues down the road. It does require surgical intervention. And just it's not a fun disease at all for patients. And it can be very painful at its end stage. So that's number one reason why I recommend patients, especially kids, not to rub their eyes because it can exacerbate this disease process. The second reason is because your eye has a pressure. So just like blood pressure, your eye pressure should be under 21. When you rub your eye, especially if you're really digging your knuckles into there, it can increase your eye pressures up to 300, they said in studies. And what that then, then does is it can cause a disease process called glaucoma. So we don't like that as well. Okay, so now I'm trying to keep my hands away from my face, but they're still itchy. What can I do? Number one is just an artificial tear I recommend, like a preservative-free one. Anytime you feel like your eyes are itchy, instead of going in with your knuckles, go in with an eye drop bottle instead. Is there any type of like wipe that you could use if the idea of an eye drop grosses you out and you're looking for an alternative? Yes. So usually the eyelid wipes target more of your blepharitis, so your inflammation of your eyelids and lashes. So part of the reason why some patients get a lot of itching can be like we've touched upon their allergies. However, if there is buildup like a biofilm on their lids and lashes, in terms of blepharitis, it can also cause us irritation. So using an eyelid wipe 
that can be preservative free of available is another very good option to definitely get rid of the itching and I and a cold one would definitely help too. Do you have to buy one or can you make something? I usually recommend patients purchase certain types of preservative free eyelid wipes. However, I mean, if you can definitely make something or even I guess use a clean towel, worst case scenario, but it does depend on the reason why they're getting the itching. So let's say if they have the papillae or the bumps, the cold towel or wiping your lids might not help with that specific type. So basically don't take some toilet paper and run it under cold water and wipe your eyes, what you're saying. I guess ideally not because it can cause a lot of residue to build up on your lids and into your eyes as well. Gross. Okay. <laughs> it's been decided I'm going to buy some wipes. And we can just find those at the pharmacy, yeah? Yes, depending on the location you're in. Obviously the products are a bit different, but... Uh, in Canada specifically, there are your sustained lid wipes and other types of eye care wipes. I would recommend not using a makeup wipe just because that has its own slew of issues in terms of chemicals in them. But if you visit your local optometrist, I'm certain they have some very good preservative free wipes. And this is a little bit of an annoyance I know for patients, but certain brands are only covered or carried under certain optometry clinics. So I know it becomes less accessible, but when you're in doubt, it's always better just to ask a healthcare professional for advice. Can you also just comment on what would be the treatment for a child that has been rubbing their eyes and causes very swollen eyes? What do you usually recommend at that point? If a child or even an adult comes in with very swollen eyes after rubbing, we commonly start with a cold compress. That's usually a more conservative line of I guess, helping their symptoms out. But if it's really not resolving, we usually can prescribe a ointment, usually in the form of a steroid for short-term use on their lids, just to calm down that reaction a little bit. Another um, drug I liked a lot in Ontario, which I don't think we can prescribe in BC, is called Protopic. So this is a non-steroidal, but still does a really good job at helping calm down the symptoms. And what about oral steroids? Do you ever end up having to do oral steroids in this situation? So unfortunately, and Possibly, fortunately, oral steroids are not within our scope of practice as an optometrist. They would get referred to either an allergist or an ophthalmologist for that. So another question I had was in regards to styes. Are those related to allergies of the eyes or can they be? Yes, I do, in short, think that styes have a correlation with ocular allergies. So part of it is when patients are rubbing their eyes or let's say they're just, first of all, if they have allergens that are stuck on their eyelashes, it can cause a buildup called or blepharitis or type of biofilm that accumulates on the base of their eyelid margin and their lashes. This irritant can then cause symptoms of a sty because it blocks the oil glands. So there are meibomine glands, little glands that line the top and bottom portion of our eyelids. So when these glands are blocked, that's when a sty occurs because it's like a pimple. Um, you can't get whatever is supposed to come out of that oil gland to come out. And so it creates that inflammation and just the infection possibly. And another thing that can cause it is because you're introducing bacteria by rubbing the ocular surface, it can then cause a sty to occur as well too. And a sty essentially looks like a pimple that is on the lid, correct? So my bromian glands are the glands that actually line the top and bottom portion of your eyelid. So there's 30 on your upper lid, so there's more. And there are about 20 on your lower lid. So when any of these glands get blocked, they can cause a sty, which is like an eyelid pimple. So patients will come in presenting with a red bump usually. But these styes or eyelid pimples can sometimes progress, which is why it's important to get them checked out if they're not resolving on their own. Heat is usually the best 
form of treatment for these dyes because it's helping to pr like promote the flow of the mybum leaving and whatever's clogged to unclog. However, the heat can probably irritate the eyes a bit more from a standpoint of allergies, which is why it's it's a it's it's a bit interesting when an allergy patient gets a sty for sure. Do you just have to wait it out, or is there a treatment for styes? So this is really interesting. Um, back in the day, we used to recommend warm compresses, not with a towel, with an actual eye mask. So there are masks, if you Google them, called brooder masks or eye relief masks. They're basically masks that go in the microwave that can heat up, and then you apply that on your eyelid and then follow with a very light digital massage of your lids. We used to, in Ontario, prescribe sometimes doxycycline or a different type of an antibiotic to help. But the new type of treatment I prefer is more on actually treating the sty. So IPL, so intense pulse light, we can go into a whole slew of information with this, but has been shown to actually help, I guess, decrease the inflammation and help a sty resolve a lot sooner. So a lot of my patients that come in for in-office treatments for dry eye, some of them get chronic sty. So it's happening all the time and it's not from their allergies, but it can be from their allergies. And by using these in-office treatments, we can actually decrease the time that the sty is on there or help it resolve a bit sooner and help them with their symptoms. Because the sty, when it gets big enough, can actually cause corneal shape changes too, because it presses on your cornea if it gets large enough. And then patients come in with very blurry vision, which is no fun. So it sounds like there's a lot of crossover between an allergist and an ophthalmologist when you're diagnosing ocular allergy. I'm just curious what that relationship looks like. How do you guys communicate and how do you help patient care together? Well, when a patient comes in with symptoms that are consistent of allergic conjunctivitis, I will test them, try to treat them with uh, ocular antihistamines, et cetera, et cetera. But if none of that is working and I do feel like they need something stronger, that's when I'm going to refer to an eye doctor, like an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, because I want to be able to have a full exam of the eye done. So want to make sure that the patient doesn't already have, you know, glaucoma or cataracts that haven't been diagnosed before we're prescribing them something that's stronger. So I think that there's always a partnership, especially for severe eye disease that we try to have with an eye doctor and the allergist just to make sure that the patient is being treated appropriately and we don't have any risk of complications. We all know how busy allergists are and how hard they get it is to get in to see one. So I, I truly believe that optometrists are a little bit, I guess, less busy. <laughs> However, what we can do is we can manage the patient's symptoms first if they present with only eye concerns. And then if it gets serious enough, or if we do believe that they need allergy testing, we are so more than happy to send them off to an allergist or a family doctor or someone else that can handle their case better. It's just that we know the accessibility is limited, especially in Canada right now. So in order to, I guess, protect the healthcare system a little bit, it would be nice for a patient to, I guess, if they're having symptoms, start off with an optometrist or their family doctor. And if the referral is warranted, we are happy to send them off. Great. That kind of launched into my question of when should a patient decide to see an optometrist versus an allergist? I also think that if a patient has multiple systems involved, so for example, they're having nose symptoms, eye symptoms, have asthma from their allergies, then I think maybe your first kind of point of contact would be an allergist so that they can treat all of your conditions all at once. And again, because the eyes are so special, if it's 
uh, complicated and we need further exams and testing for the eyes, then we always work with the eye doctor, optometrist or ophthalmologist. Super. Thank you so much, Dr. Luke and Dr. G for going over the allergies of the eyes or ocular allergy. I hope that everyone here feels inspired to keep their fingers very far away from their eyeballs and to go have a visit with their optometrist. Or if they don't have one, consider getting an optometrist because they can help you in many, many, many ways you might not have known about. Yeah. And we'll definitely add in our notes some of the recommended eye drops that are preservative free, some of the eyelid wipes that are recommended, eye washes, and of course, even a diagram of the eye so that you understand what we're talking about when we're talking about all these different areas of the eyes that can be affected by the allergies. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Remember that all information you hear today is for informational purposes only and are not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. And also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you have a second, help spread the word by rating our podcast and sharing with your friends and family who might also be interested in learning more about allergies, asthma, and immunology. You can always stay up to date by checking out our Instagram, The Itch Podcast, where you can leave questions you are itching to know, or check out our website, which is www.itchpodcast.com, which contains more information about the subjects we covered in today's episode and every episode. Until next time, have a fabulous week.